2: From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1, and I am joined by the man that this show is named for, the Chronicles of Nannia, that of course is the resident stack geek over at a million different websites, but most importantly, JetsXFactor.com, a new venture that he began with Robbie Sabo, who founded Elite Sports New York. Mr. Michael Nania, Michael, thanks for coming on, man. Excited to talk to you about these latest acquisitions by the Jets.
0: Yeah, it's been an interesting week. Um, You know, some signings that we totally expected, some signings that, um, and, you know, some bigger names that we thought the Jets would go after that they didn't end up getting. Uh, But we've seen that offensive line emphasis. So uh, it's been an interesting week, and there are still some big dominoes to fall, so a lot to talk about.
2: A lot to talk about indeed. A ton of new players on this offensive line. Whether or not new means better, we're going to find out. But I think you have some interesting intel on that, Michael. We'll start with Connor McGovern. From what I can gather, he's a very significant upgraded center. Wouldn't take much considering that the last three seasons we had to watch... Wesley Johnson, Spencer Long, Jonathan Harrison, and Ryan Khalil, all of whom were disastrously bad. Connor McGovern was actually a solid to good center, which, as I said, is a massive upgrade over what they've been running out there the last couple of years. The reputation that Connor McGovern has, and I'm obviously going to ask Joe Blewett about this because he's going to come on the show too to talk about this from a film perspective is that he's a significantly better pass blocker than run blocker. But Philip Lindsay, who had two really nice seasons after being an undrafted rookie for the Broncos as a running back, has credited Connor McGovern a lot with helping him in the run game. So I was curious if your statistics backed up the general assertions and if maybe it's possible that there's something we're not seeing on the stat sheet or even maybe in the film that would prompt Philip Lindsay to say something like that because obviously his reputation is that he's a good pass blocker and not really that good of a run blocker but there's got to be a reason Philip Lindsay specifically said that about McGovern
0: yeah so before we get into McGovern I just want to put a disclaimer out there with any offensive line statistics so because obviously it's so hard to evaluate them with numbers it's a very film-based position there aren't a lot of metrics out there to evaluate them and the only place you really can go is pro football focus and their reputation is um, pretty well known you know it's they're great they're not very transparent we don't know and we see all the time that you know coaches people who are versed in film players call them out so you know they're questionable but at the same time they do have uh, you can compare every player in the league against each other and that's something that you know, someone who breaks down film really can't do because as much film as they watch, they're not watching every single snap of every single player in the league. So as questionable as pro football focus is, it is the only tool we have to really compare every lineman in the league against each other and, you know, other positions as well, but especially on the offensive line, um, you can compare everyone against each other on the same metrics, the same numbers. Uh, So as questionable as they may be and they get things wrong quite a bit, um, it is a good way to compare everyone against each other so yes on one hand you don't want to put all of the stock into these numbers because they can be wrong and they are quite a bit as i said but at the same time it is pretty much the only tool we have to just compare every offensive lineman against each other and see where they stack up in the league so with mcgovern the numbers do pretty much line up with what joe Blewett has talked about on jets x factor he put up uh, a review over 60 plays long there that you guys can check out but it uh, does line up with that and just his overall reputation that he's really good in the passing game, but only average in the run game. Not bad, but certainly around average in the run game. But his pass blocking grade, 87th percentile, is pass blocking efficiency, that's his pressure rate uh, with greater weight to sacks, that's 72nd percentile among centers. And in the run blocking, uh, his run blocking grade in the 52nd percentile, so pretty much lines up. Uh, with his reputation but one really good thing that he brings to the table is he avoids penalties really really well he played a thousand thirteen snaps last season didn't have a single penalty since 2010 that is the third most snaps in one season by center without committing any penalties uh, and in his eight games playing center in uh, 2018 he only had two penalties so uh, that's 18 start or 24 starts at center he's only had two penalties so he does a really good job there but overall pass protection very good and uh, the three guys that have preceded him have just been absolutely awful in both phases. So look at the pass blocking efficiency percentiles of the last three primary centers for the Jets. Jonathan Harrison, 2019, 16th percentile. Spencer Long, 9th percentile in 2018. And Wesley Johnson, 14th percentile in 2017. So those guys have been awful in protection. And even in the run game, although McGovern is only average, it's still a massive, massive upgrade. Uh, those three guys have been even worse there. Jonathan, all, actually all three guys, Harrison Long and Johnson, the last three seasons, third percentile in Runbach grade, each of those three seasons, McGovern, 52nd in 2019. So uh, both phases, he's a very big upgrade. Uh, better pass protector than run blocker for sure. That seems to be the consensus across both numbers and film. So uh, he's a huge upgrade. And center is the number. Obviously, I want to see all five positions addressed and improved because the Jets didn't have any above average players in their line last season. So. Uh, obviously, I want to see all five improve, but center has just been a, an underrated disaster over the past three seasons. I don't think it's gotten enough appreciation, or not appreciation, but attention for how bad that position has been since Mangold retired. But it looks like McGovern, you know, if he can stay healthy, should be the guy to put an end to those woes.
2: It looks like the pattern here, Michael, is that they're trying to get as many above-average pass blockers as they can and don't seem to care much about what these guys can do in the run game. And that pattern fits Greg Van Roten from what I can tell. He also, much like McGovern, didn't get penalized much, although I have to laugh. I'm not trying to pick on him, but Brian Costello was talking about how Van Roten's only drawn one penalty in five seasons. A tad misleading because for three of those seasons, he barely played. I think he took like 30 snaps in the first three seasons. So it's really more one penalty over the course of 27 games, which is still impressive. Don't get me wrong, but... We've got to put it in context if we're going to be fair about it. Greg Van Roten, the book on him seems to be that he's an average to maybe a little bit above average pass blocker, not a very good run blocker, perhaps a slight upgrade over Brian Winters or at least an upgrade over Winters in pass protection. Is that what the numbers show?
0: Yeah, pretty much it does line up uh, with what that consensus seems to be. And like you said, I think that the Jets are kind of approaching this like Um, you know, because they're trying to maximize Sam Darnold's rookie deal, help him out right now while not compromising the future, so I think that they are emphasizing what these guys can do in pass protection over the run game, because, you know, they missed out on Glasgow and Conklin, they couldn't get Joe Tooney, so they couldn't get those, and you know, I don't think Glasgow or Conklin are superstars, but Tooney certainly is, but those guys are, you know, certainly above average starters who can help you out in both phases, so, you know, playing it cheaper like they have, I think they've been putting more emphasis on the you know the side of the offense that does matter more and that's pass protection uh and I think that is definitely a theme and it does go uh with Van Roten. so penalties that's something he does well and I don't know where they got him only committing one penalty but he's got four penalties over his two seasons starting for the Panthers two in 2019 two in 2018 so that's very good and pass protection is where he has been better so in 2018 he wasn't uh, didn't put up the best grades 44th percentile pass blocking grade and 30th in the run game but he took big steps uh big steps up in both phases in 2019 especially in the passing game 76th percentile in uh pass blocking grade 70 also 76 in pass blocking efficiency and run blocking up to 42nd percentile among guards so it does line up with McGovern and you know emphasizing the pass game more and uh, just from watching and again I'm not an offensive line film expert but I did uh, watch through some of Van Roten's games and uh, I'm curious to see if Joe Blewett thinks once he goes through his uh, Van Roten's film once he goes through Van Roten's film because I didn't really come away too impressed with him overall he just doesn't have too much speed or athleticism or strength but you know overall I think he does do a good job in the passing game just with his recognition and instincts and technique does enough there to make up for his athletic and physical deficiencies uh, to just overall do a really good job limiting pressure. So uh, at the least, I think that you can expect him to be an upgrade over Brian Winters uh, in pass protection. We'll see if he can avoid being a disaster in the run game, if he can help out at all there. Uh, And also if this pass protection can carry over to a new team, because we know there are some, The NFL teams run their offenses so many different ways, especially up front in protection. There are teams that run a lot of slide protections, teams that roll their quarterback out of the pocket a lot. Uh, So we'll see how well he fits in with what the Jets do and if he can carry those pass protection numbers over. But uh, he did put up pretty good pass protection numbers last season. He does keep the penalties down. uh, So hopefully those are two things he carries over.
2: Michael, I think it's fair to say that Connor McGovern was a safe signing. You know that he's going to perform. You know that he's going to be reliable. You know that he's going to be able to protect Sam Darnold the same way that Simply Safe can protect your home. Every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm's real. Is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is that the motion sensor went off. But Simply Safe gives you a much higher level of home security. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, 24 7 monitoring by live security professionals. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com/overtime and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com/overtime so they know play like a jet sent you. That's simplysafe.com/overtime. Now Michael, let's talk about the other player on the offensive line that the Jets signed with the I assume intention to start is George Fant, formerly Of the Seattle Seahawks And Michael, I've got to ask about George Fant Because from what I can tell The numbers are not very flattering on him He's somebody where a lot of people will point strictly to upside And they'll show you highlights of him doing well in little bits Against some of the better players in the league The highlight going around most frequently Is the one of him against Nick Bosa But to be honest, and this is something where I'll pick Joe Blewett's brain When he comes on to talk about this I thought his technique was very shoddy, even in the times when he was winning, which is kind of concerning. I know that this is a guy who has superior size and speed and strength, and he has all the raw tools, but he's 28 years old, and it seems like his performance as of now, at least from a pure production standpoint, has been well below average, couldn't even start on a bad offensive line in Seattle. I know that Fant got really upset at PFF. Calling out the Jets signing him But do they have a point That the Jets signing George Fant Is incredibly risky And potentially reckless Because if this guy doesn't even come close To living up to his physical traits Which at 28 years old seems to be A pretty big gamble Then they're really putting Sam Darnold In a very difficult position Because as of right now The two starting tackles on this team Are going to be George Fant and Chuma Adoga Neither of whom are Proven in any way as starters In the NFL we'll see what they do if they sign Jason Peters or they draft a Tackle maybe this changes things a little bit But if they go into the season with those Two guys as the starting tackles That's going to be some real rough sledding
0: Yeah George fans Definitely the most questionable signing uh, That they've made so far because there's just A lot of projection here to a guy who Doesn't have the profile of a Player who you would think would progress He's already 28 years old he's dealt uh, an ACL injury in 2017. In the last two seasons, he's been a rotationable, pl- a rotation player on an offensive line that has not been very good. They do have Dwayne Brown in Seattle uh, at left tackle, who's very good, but at the right tackle position, they've not been as good. And you know, just overall, he's only started and finished six games over the past two seasons, and that's including the playoffs. Uh, he did start and finish 12 games as a rookie. Then he missed 2017, but since then, he's just been uh, an extra lineman. Uh, used on the edge sometimes and uh, started when they needed him uh, because of injury. But you no, know, overall, the numbers just aren't very good. His career pressure rate allowed is 9%. And just to put into perspective, um, you know, how bad that is, Brandon Shell and Chuma Idoga combined uh, for 9% as well in 2019. So Fanover's career has given up 83, per, 83 pressures over 900 snaps in protection. And it's actually 9.2%. I said 9%. But and Doga were in that neighborhood 9.0% in 2019. So it's really questionable. And this past season was – he was even worse than that career average. Gave up a 10% rate this past season with 20 pressures, over 201 snaps. So uh, in 2018, he did put up some good grades. His run-blocking grade was in the 91st percentile. He was 67th overall, but he only played 370 snaps that season. Only started and finished two games. And most of the games where he put up his best numbers – were not the ones that he started that season. So um, overall, it's just really questionable uh, that they would, you know, picking him up is not a bad move. It's not like you know he does have legitimately great athleticism, and you could see it when he watches tape. But so you know, if they invest, just you know, picked him up as you know a low tier signing, not a lot of guarantees, you know, just to throw him into the competition, then you know that would be plenty fine. But you know the money they signed him for. Uh, and even though 13 million guarantees isn't a ton, it's still the 21st, as of right now, would be the 21st most among left tackles, uh, which is definitely not where he's played to this point. As a guy who's only even started 18 and finished 18 games in his career over four years, uh, it's definitely not what he's played up to to this point. So it's a risky signing. They still have a lot of work to do at tackle. Like you said, hopefully they can get Jason Peters. That would be really good to just have him as a stopgap for one year, some security, and hopefully they do get a tackle in round one because as of right now, you just can't go into week one with George Fant penciled in as a starter. He's got great tools, and uh, you know if the Jets think they can hone those tools, and they do, then you know maybe he can finally put it all together, but uh, he's been in the league four years now. He's dealt the major injury, has barely started at all on a team that has really struggled up front Uh, Put up really poor numbers in protection. So at 28 years old, with all that, it doesn't seem likely he's going to progress that much. But if the Jets can, then they would look like geniuses. If he doesn't and he's playing significant snaps, at left tackle performing at the same level, even if he's at right tackle, but he'll probably play left because that's where he's mostly played. But if he's playing significant time and performing at the same level he has, then the Jets are going to look really bad for this deal because he is uh, not played as well in pass protection as you would hope for a guy who's getting paid as much as he is and maybe protecting Sam Darnold's blind side in his extremely crucial third season
2: Michael I'm not gonna lie to you up until yesterday I had not heard of Josh Andrews apparently he spent four years in Philly and then two years with the Colts doesn't seem like he's played a whole lot what can you tell me about him
0: I'm with you. I never heard of him before yesterday uh, either. But but now me and Ben Blessington are the biggest Josh Andrews fans in the world. We're opening up the fan club right now. So you guys could send in your applications for that. But yeah, he's not played a ton in his career. Uh, entered the league in 2014 as an undrafted free agent when Joe Douglas was with the Eagles front office. So he does have that Joe Douglas connection, as his agent pointed out, uh, making the announcement on Twitter. But he has not played a ton. In the league, actually, he only played 61 snaps with the Colts this uh, past season. That's his career high across six seasons. Um, he did play extended time in one game against Pittsburgh. There, uh, the Colts' starting center Ryan Kelly went down, uh, and Andrews played 49 snaps in that game. And I kind of like the way he played. He wasn't good, um, you know, maybe not even average. But the Steelers have a phenomenal defensive line, and that was in Pittsburgh as well, uh, where the Steelers have been a sport, where they were especially dominant. Uh, in the 2019 season and you know he was pretty respectable i like what he does in the run game i think he's got some decent power there but again i'm not an offensive line guru and it's just one game uh but you know he is uh has not played a ton in the league and he has been on some really good teams you know the colts and the eagles have had two two of the two teams with some of the most offensive line talent uh in the latter half of the 2010 so he has been Behind some really good talent, so maybe just knock on that chance yet. But you know, just an under the radar kind of depth competition move for Joe Douglas, and it's signings like this where you're really going to see, uh, and not just the signings, but also the late round picks as well on day two and day three of the draft. This is where you're really going to see his offensive line evaluation uh, come into play because you know some of these pros, we kind of know what they bring to the table. Maybe they improve a little bit, you know, like like George Fant, like bringing Greg Van Roten over uh, into a new scheme. You know, maybe they improve a little bit, maybe they decline, but for the most part, you know who they are. But uh, with these, you know, way under the radar signings, a guy like Andrews who has hardly played in the league, and then the late-round picks in the draft, uh, that's where I think you're really going to see where he can add some value because there are so many, you know, really good offensive line starters in this, in this league who you know, a lot of them were undrafted late-round picks. Uh, so if Joe Devils can find a few of those guys, uh, that's where I think he can add a lot of value to this team as they try to rebuild not just on the offensive line but across the entire roster
2: another under the radar signing for the Jets Marquis Christian former safety for the Rams he was a fifth round pick back in 2016 seems like a special teamer and some depth at safety maybe a little bit of competition for Rontez Miles not a flashy move but if he can at least be a solid contributor on special teams and good depth at safety, I suppose that's all you're really looking for here.
0: Yeah. He's one a very involved special teams contributor. Uh, he ranked top 11 in the entire league in special team snaps in both of the past two seasons. And it doesn't seem that amazing, but when you consider there are um, literally over a thousand players who play extended time on special teams each season, it uh, definitely is a lot. He played, uh, pretty much every snap for the Rams on five, their six special teams unit uh, with the exception of the field goal and extra point protection unit Uh, on the other five, he's playing pretty much every snap for them. So he's very involved in that phase. So should be another good piece for Brant Boyer's amazing dominant special teams unit. Uh, But on defense, he did play pretty significant time for the Rams as well. 371 defensive snaps in 2019. And he's pretty much in uh, use in nickel and dime packages an extra safety defensive back. Uh, 79% of his career defensive snaps have come on passing plays, uh, which just, which just goes to show the situations that he's typically been used in third and long situations, you know, times where you would have an extra defensive back in the game. And he's put up uh, pretty decent numbers and coverage, uh, throughout his career, but in run defense, he's missed a lot of tackles struggled there, which again, goes to show why he's only playing pretty much on passing down. So, uh, he could be that third safety, give some depth. Uh, As a nickel and dime safety, but also on special teams, he does provide a lot of experience and value there.
1: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights. But they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launch their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
2: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Let's talk about the two guys that the Jets brought back internally, Arthur Millette and Neville Hewitt. Good depth signings here, at least with Millette, You're getting a guy that you know has experience starting a few games. For Greg Williams, you hope that he's not going to be one of the starters, but in a pinch, he can do it. I thought he actually had a pretty good season last year, considering what the expectations were. Neville Hewitt, on the other hand, at one year, $2 million, perfectly fine depth, but I think the people that are going out of their way to say that he played really, really well in place of either Mosley or Williamson, whichever one you want to say he replaced last year, are really twisting themselves in knots because, granted, Hewitt wasn't absolutely awful, but he wasn't even close To even replacement level starter last year From what I could tell I think that he gets a lot of credit for tackles That people see on television Or the fact that announcers seem to single him out for hits But he was well below average in pass coverage, and he wasn't really that good of a run stopper. Didn't give you anything in terms of pass rushing, not that you'd expect him to as an inside linebacker. Again, perfectly fine depth, but the people that are making this out to be, oh, the Jets got a guy who could step in and start in place of Avery Williamson. Might as well cut Williamson and save the $8 million. As far as I'm concerned, they're getting way out over their skis.
0: Yeah, it makes me cringe whenever I see this Neville Hewitt praise. And it's not a knock on him. I did want him back. I think he's very good depth. And, you know, the fact that he played for so long in the Jets defense did do a pretty good job with him in there. And, again, you can't just give him credit because the defense played well because the defense could have been a lot better if they had uh, better performance at linebacker with Williamson, with Mosley. So, no, he's not a starter. He's not close to as good as Williamson or Mosley. Uh, but he is—he is a nice player to have. His depth, he has experience with this team a few years now, uh, and in particular, uh, as a pass rusher, I think he does provide some value. As a, not actually as a pass rusher, but as a blitzer, he does do a pretty good job. He was in the 67th percentile in pass rush efficiency among linebackers in 2019, and throughout his career, he's done a very good job there. In 2019, he was actually below his career average in terms of that stat. So he's been consistently good there. So that's where he does provide some value. I think you could use him a few times a game in that sort of role. And if he does have to go in, yes, he's a substantial downgrade, but I think you can do a lot worse among backups, even though he's not a very good player overall. If you're looking for uh, a backup, a reserve, a situational player, he is pretty good in that role. And on special teams, too, he's a really nice piece. Uh, Over the past two seasons, he's got uh, 12 special teams tackles, only one missed tackle and no penalties That's over 397 snaps for them on special teams. He's a featured part of the coverage units and kickoff and punt. Uh, So he does provide some special teams value. Good blitzer, not a good starter. Stick with Williamson and Mosley. That would be a great duo if those two guys are healthy. Now, with Millett, I definitely like this re-signing as well. He played good near the end of the season, and particularly what he does well is just drive into the flat and finish tackles behind the line. Uh, in the passing game, he did miss quite a few tackles. He had a 19% miss rate in the passing game, which is pretty bad. That was in the 10th percentile among cornerbacks, but that's just the nature of the role he was playing because uh, most of the targets he got tagged with uh, were on some of these underneath throws where he has to, like I said, break on the ball and finish underneath, and that's what he did really well. He gave up 9.5 yards per reception. That was 12th best among cornerbacks and only 3.6 yards after catch perception so uh, his ability to make those tackles limit yards after the catch is why he gave up only 6.8 yards per target which is a slightly better than average number uh, so he's respectable down the stretch i don't think it's uh very maintainable and you know comparing him to bless austin a guy who was a rookie dealt acl injuries austin definitely has more potential going forward and i think was a better all-around player this past season but the jets are going to have some competition at outside cornerback you know they probably will add another veteran at some point. They just cut Daryl Roberts. Uh, so they definitely need to add a veteran starter at some point in the offseason. There are some decent names out there Pierre Desire, Prince of Mucamara. So they could look for someone like that. But most likely there's going to be some competition for one of those starting spots out there. And Millette and Austin finished the season really well. So to see those two guys compete, well, it'll be pretty interesting to see if they can maintain that. Uh, and again, Millette doesn't have too much of a ceiling because even though this was his first extended action uh, you know he's not a, that much of a young guy anymore he's 27 years old uh, and Austin on the other hand is 23 years old so uh, but, but Mullet did finish the season really well and he also provides good run support uh, in the running game he made 10 tackles without missing a single tackle put up a really good run stop percentage that was among the top 10 uh, among cornerbacks so in the run game, he helps you out underneath in the tackling game. That's what he does well, break on the football, make tackles. So uh, he does provide value there. And I said Millett is 26 years old, but he will be. Uh, uh, he is 26 years old right now. He'll be 27 uh, by the time the season starts. But it'll be interesting to see those two guys compete. They both played really well. Uh, so I like bringing back Millett for sure.
2: Michael, any guys that you think are out there that would benefit the Jets to sign still at any particular position? Anybody you have your eye on that might be under the radar?
0: So one guy that I actually pointed out, uh, I wrote an article actually about him on Jets X Factor, is uh, Titans wide receiver Tajay Sharp. He's still out there. Uh, A guy who has not put up a lot of production in his career, but this past season with Tennessee, and of course Tennessee did do a lot of things well, this past season, once they switched to Ryan Tannehill, but uh, he had a really efficient season for the Titans. He didn't, again, didn't put up a lot of production. I believe he averaged about 21 yards a game, but his yards per target, his first down rate, his touchdown rate, all of those numbers in terms of efficiency were just through the roof. So I think that's the type of guy who, at this stage of free agency, uh, and he's only 25 years old too, so at this stage of free agency, that's the type of guy you want to gamble on, especially. Uh, but the Jets, Do they do have a pretty big need at outside receiver. And, oh, yeah, Robbie Anderson's still out there. So if you can get him back at an affordable price, and it seems like that his price definitely is going down, the fact that he's still out there. But uh, if the Jets can get Anderson back on a one-year deal or, you know, ideally a long-term deal in that affordable $10 million, $9 million range, that definitely makes sense. But I do like Sharp because they're going to need depth even if they get Robbie Anderson. I like Tajay Sharp as a uh, depth option, wide receiver three option. Uh, and then at cornerback, they're going to need some help. And those two guys I just mentioned, Pierre Desir and Prince Amukamara, two guys who have uh, – Desir had a down year last year. Amukamara has been more consistent. But uh, before last season, Desir is a pretty good corner. Amukamara, even though he's in his 30s, has been pretty consistently good. So the Jets do need uh, – kind of like when they picked up Mo- uh, Morris Claymore a couple of years ago, just a veteran to kind of you know give them at least one season of respectable play while they kind of – Try to develop a position through the draft and see how guys like Millette and Austin kind of develop. So for them to get one of those two guys would definitely help. And the Jets do need some depth on the edge as well. Uh, They were not able to get one of the bigger names. Uh, At least at this point, they haven't. Dante Fowler's off the market, uh, and a few other of the top names as well aren't out there. So they haven't been able to get that upgrade on the edge either, where they also need some help. Uh, Like they need help in the trenches on offense. They do on defense as well. So there are a few decent names out there in terms of uh, guys on the edge who they can rely on for the short term, just give them some juice in the pass rushing game. I really like Vinny Curry as a short-term option for them. He's going to be 32 before the season starts. He's only a situational rusher, uh, has been the past few seasons for the Eagles, but he's a really good one in that role. He had 41 pressures and only 243 rushes in 2019. That gave him the 10th best pass rushing efficiency out of 129 qualified edge defenders. That was in the 93rd percentile, so... Uh, The Jets are going to need some help there. Uh, Hopefully they can get to in the draft, but it looks like they're probably not going to be able to put a round one or, you know, a premium pick into that. So in terms of the big moves, they're probably going to have to hold that off until the uh, 2021 off season. But for now, they're going to need a stopgap. And I think Curry's a great option just as a veteran who still is able to produce in a situational role at a really efficient rate.
2: Michael, it's like you're Nostradamus seeing into the future because – as you were talking about Pierre Desir, the word came down that the Jets have signed him to a one-year deal. Desir, of course, surprisingly released yesterday, one year after signing a three-year, $22.5 million deal with $12 million guaranteed. Desir's story is really interesting because he got some exposure during ESPN's Draft Academy back in 2014, got drafted by the Browns in the fourth round, lasted there two years, and ended up getting released Then he went to the Chargers in 2016, got released from there, signed on the practice squad of the Seahawks, ended up getting released from there. And then in 2017, the Colts claimed him off waivers, and he really started to make a name for himself. He blew past a bunch of guys on the depth chart, including Kenny Moore, Quincy Wilson, and Nate Hairston, who he will reunite with in New York. He eventually took over for Vontae Davis when Vontae Davis was released midway through the season. Had a solid showing that in 2018 played really well. Earned that contract extension. In 2019, he didn't play as well. A lot of that probably due to a hamstring injury. And then the Colts end up releasing him surprisingly yesterday. They did it for financial reasons according to The Athletic. They saved $6.85 million against the cap. Here's what my buddy George Bremer, who covers the Colts for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Indianapolis, had to say. Desir was very good in 2018. Had that hamstring injury this past year, I think that really hurt his performance. If he can stay healthy and get back to twenty eighteen level, he'll be a great pickup and a solid starter. If you get the twenty nineteen version, then you're getting decent depth. So really for the five point five million dollar max, which is what he got with this deal, it's a one-year contract with the Jets. The most he can get is $5.5 million, depending on whether or not he hits all the incentives. And we don't know exactly how the structure of the contract works. We're going to find that out over the next couple of days. If the most he can get is $5.5 million, that's fine. That's a pretty solid gamble for a guy who's only one season removed. From being a good starting cornerback in the NFL So another solid move here By Joe Douglas Not anything that's going to move the needle But he brings in a guy Who you know is a legitimate starting option At corner where as we talked about earlier With the re-signing of Arthur Millette, The Jets don't have much In the way of potential starters So now you have Bless and Austin You have Arthur Millette, And you add Pierre Desir A good move here by the New York Jets Michael, thanks so much for coming on for The Chronicles. Really appreciate it. Before you run, why don't you talk a little bit about Jets X Factor?
0: Yeah, Jets X Factor is the new site we've been running. Uh, me and Robbie Sabo started up. So we're it's a su- uh, subscription based four ninety nine 99 a month, 49 99 a year. But we are giving out a free first month right now. So definitely check it out. We've got a ton of analytics stuff, player profiles, at, you know, spider graphs, advanced stats, film clips of each player all in one spot. Uh, my Sam Darnold grades are on there. Full pages dedicated to each game, uh, breaking down all the tiny little nuanced numbers behind each of the grades and also including clips of his best and worst plays. Uh, Joe Blewett's now on there doing film breakdowns. He started off recently with his Connor McGovern breakdown. Robbie Sabo has some great film breakdowns on there. So it's just the absolute best of Jets analytics and film in one place.
2: Could be more content coming in the future as well. Who knows? We shall see. I have the eyeball emojis up right now if I was (laughs) tweeting this out. Michael, thanks for coming on. Looking forward to talking more with you on Chronicles next week. In the meantime, go ahead and visit Michael on Twitter and check out the brand-new website that he and Robbie Sabo started together, JetsXFactor.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.